You're the president of the APAC countries of, of Arctic uh, Blue Beverages. Uh, welcome to this podcast. Pleasure to be here, Jan. Um, Arctic Blue Beverages has, have uh, chosen to enter Japanese markets uh, from Finland, from Ilomansi, uh, Karelian Woods. Uh, what made you choose Japan? Why Japan? Why Japanese market for gin? Yeah, uh, originally the founders had uh, a very clear picture that they wanted to go to the Asian Pacific region uh, because, as you might might know, there are quite a lot of very, very quality uh, spirits coming on from, from the Western countries uh, and especially from Finland, but they're mostly targeting other Western countries. This means that the competition is, is extremely high, and I'm not saying that there's no competition in Asia, there's harder competition in Asia than anywhere else. But I think... Gins, perhaps? Yeah. A bit more space? Yeah, there's a little bit more space, and the fact is that you are kind of... you have less competition from similar products. Right. The kind of... as a Finnish gin, Finland as itself is, is very well known, especially in the Japanese market, very well respected, there's a long history. I would even call it that we have a little bit similarities of personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, uh, distance and, yeah, and it's, it's, it's and, and they are kind of, kind, yeah, maybe, maybe a little bit more quiet, a little bit more pondering on, on stuff and, and close by to nature, even though they have mega cities, which we really don't here in Finland, mm-hmm. They, they kind of respect those moments of going back to nature and staying yeah. in touch with nature and everything like this. Like forest baths, baths. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, this is what we actually tell people because our gin is a, is a blueberry gin. We're using wild blueberries in it. And we want to create kind of a moment where you go to that Finnish forest in the, in the you have the kind of morning morning dusk going on and, and the feeling and you can smell the nice forest from from our, our product. Kind of kind of spirit of the forest or a mori no sei as I, as I like to call it in, in Japanese. So I think it fits very well. So it's bottled Finnish forest. Yes, or, or nature in a bottle I would call it. Nature in a bottle. Okay. So um, you you have you I mean why particularly you were chosen for this first job for the president of the APAC countries in uh, Arctic Blue Beverages? What's your background in, in regarding forest? Yeah, so I've been li- I've been living and doing business in Asia already 15 years. I, I moved back in 2006, early 2006, originally to China where I finished my studies. Mm-hmm. Lived there in, for for seven years, and since then I've been spending about seven months of my year mostly in Southeast Asian countries. My original love was actually Japan. I really wanted to go to Japan because I was as as many youngsters here in Finland. I was mm-hmm. I was an anime fan, and I was. Uh, watching these things and getting so interested in the different Japanese culture, but then uh, I, I kind of kind of tended to think that maybe for the development that was happening in China, I chose China first because I think it would be very very valuable going going forward. The, but saying saying again, when the founders came to me and we had an open discussion where we should start, especially considering that we are 
you could call it affordable luxury product, Japan is definitely the market we want to be. That's, that's the why first not? place. Well, why, why, why is that? Well, Japan is a place where all these kind of, especially consumer products, they kind of trend to other countries. No matter where we go, we have already opened quite, quite a few different countries, Singapore, Thailand, uh, Philippines, and, and, and so on. But, but Japan is clearly where majority of our effort goes, because no matter if you go to Australia, you go to China, you go to, to Thailand, when you meet distributors, clients, partners, mm -hmm. all of them always ask, what are you doing in Japan? And they all agree, which I know myself also to be true, is that when you make it in Japan, it's so much easier to make it in the other countries because they look at what Japan is doing. You have a special gentleman heading the uh, uh, Arctic Virgin, so, uh, sorry, beverages in Japan. Tell me about him. Is he French, isn't he? Yes, yes, he is. He is. And, and uh, awesome. just a few words about the background of, of doing business in Japan. Doing business in Japan is, is very, very, very slow. It's, 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 it's a kind of a cultural thing that you need to build trust. And I, I kind of respect a lot the way they do it. And uh, the, the, you need somebody who truly understands the full essence of, of doing business in Japan, even if I've been 15 years uh, in working in Asian countries, I'm, I'm, I don't know nearly enough. And the first goal I had when we knew that Japan is where we wanted to go is that I have to find somebody who knows this field a lot better than I do because that's that's major key to success. And uh, thankfully, I knew Mr. Bernard Sendron, a Frenchman by origin, but you could call that, uh, that uh, in, in, in his heart, he's, he's, he's Japanese. He's been living there already f over 40 years and doing business. And uh, he's a grand old man of the lux luxury segment, truly is. I mean, he has built already back in the 80s such brand as Cartier, for example, right. for the Japanese market. On top of that, just to name a few, there's Lacoste, Dior, Poirot, Maison de Chocolat, and, and all of these kind of famous brands. And he's the guy you should definitely do another round of this interview. He has an interesting, interesting life. And fantastic gentleman. Really are key to Japanese market, as you could call it. So one of the keys, I mean, what, what we outsiders know about Japan is that the Japanese cuisine is really uh, I mean, they're really into good food. Uh, um, what's your strategy? Um, how, how do you plan to enter, uh, already entering, of course, the Japanese market? Is, is, I understand that the, the restaurants have the big role there. Yeah, definitely is. I mean, uh, Japanese tend to try to get everything perfected. And this also goes, goes to food. Uh, as you might or might not know, actually even with one of our fun founders, Yako Sorsa, is a very, very famous Finnish chef who's living in Hong Kong, has been running about 15 years already, a restaurant called Fines that has got all kind of international recognition. And Yako is actually a person who threw, together with Hans Wallimäki brought one of the first Michelin stars to Finland ever with Chef Dominique. And, and also in Yako's history, he's been uh, doing a, cooking basically also for Princess Takamado of Japan, which is an honor itself. Wow. 
but yeah, we also saw that there might be a nice kind of uh, segment to do a little bit of, of branding and get other people to see that truly big brands also see our quality through food. There's not so much things like gin and cuisine and we really, really saw it as an opportunity that we should try to do this. And uh, thankfully we got, we got in contact through Bernard's network in Japan uh, with the Robuchon family and especially uh, the late Joel Robuchon, who you could call a demigod of food, His youngest son, uh, Louis Robuchon really really liked our product and uh, through Louis R is, is, is now our importer in Japan and we've been able to able to even have already our first uh, gin and cuisine dinner at uh, Chateau Robuchon in the in the heart of Tokyo in Ebisu which was fantastic it was uh, kind of a dream come true and this is where we are expanding toward. But the restaurant chain has restaurants as elsewhere as well is that, is that true? Yes, uh, basically, uh, don't quote me on the current statistics, but right. the last number I remember is that they have 42 Michelin stars globally, and seven out of those 42 are in Japan, and uh, I think Tokyo is the biggest Michelin star center of the world. And there's, of course, uh, when you get to these kind of uh, places as Robuchon or, or Dukas, it is a patch of honor that kind of tells everybody already your quality product. You don't get there unless you're a quality product. So it paves way. It also helps us to build brand, obviously. Well, even though um, there are many restaurants there, it's still quite limited uh, uh, visibility. What kind of other uh, like um, distributing channels would you recommend for a luxury brand to enter a country like Japan? That's a good question. Of course, world is in a, in a transformation at the moment because of the COVID, COVID pandemic at the moment. Even in Japan, we, we are now suffering with the emer emergency situation still, which will be again reviewed early, early March. And because of this, of course, uh, even in luxury segment, e-commerce is, is coming, coming strong. And that's, that's definitely one of the of the outlets but it's uh, in japan because we've been also very very uh, lucky you could call it or successful in entering also hotel chains who work hard you usually get more lucky <laughs> indeed indeed mm -hmm. so even in the hotel chains we have seen fast bounce backs in the corona the hotels that we all are already in had the occupancy rates going very, very fast up. Then of course came the emergency situation and they have plummeted again. But the expectation is that after the emergency situation is over, they will also go back up very fast. Then it's of course traditional retail is of course something that you want to go, but you want to be a little bit selective where you go there, mm -hmm. uh, especially when, you, when you're building the brand. And there are a few innovative ways of, of doing marketing and distribution also that I might not be able to tell here yet, but uh, cool things coming. Okay, can't wait. But let's talk about Olympics. Um, I understand that you had plans, and you still have plans, uh, regarding Tokyo Olympics. Indeed. 
The, the Olympics itself, we made an early decision because uh, we are very lucky that the Finnish government has, has recognized the special relationship it has with Japan and the importance of the Olympics and the importance of helping uh, businesses thrive, especially in the Japanese market. And uh, they decided to make a huge invest in, in, into what is called Metsa Pavilion. Metsa actually means forest and considering we're the uh, Finnish, fin Finnish nature in a bottle, it, it fits as, as very well as well. And uh, in, in Japan traditionally as an honor culture, embassies and these kind of, uh, kind of uh, high-end events are very important venues. And uh, we, we decided that even though as a small company it's a huge investment for us, we, we decided that we want to be one of the main partners to truly put effort into Japan, to truly do it fully or not do it at all. So main partner at the pavilion. pavilion. Yes. Okay. And uh, just to name a few, the right. other main right. partners are yeah. Finair and, and, and Metsa Group and Nokia which obviously have revenues in the uh, counted in the billions rather than still us. a bit bigger company than you are. <laughs> yeah, still, but let's no. see, let's see. No. So, um, to wrap it up, um, so the way is, um, uh, your plan is to enter the other parts of, of um, Far Eastern globe first being successful in Japan. And it's, it's uh, compared to other gin markets, let's say UK or uh, southern uh, Europe, for instance, uh, the gin market is not that competitive. If, if you are coming with the Finnish or European, European or especially Finnish brands, that if you, if you want to put it in a nutshell, that would be the the recipe for success for you. Yeah, I I, I believe that there's a that there's a kind of huge market potential that we we are in a particular good position to capitalize on. I truly believe that uh, how the world is developing, the economy in Asia is, is thriving completely different level as we are on, the, on, on this side of the globe, basically. And to, for, for, for a final thing about the Olympics, so nobody gets, gets the wrong idea, is that we truly kind of believe that the Olympics is, is such an important kind of national pride thing for the Japanese. We, we could have made the decision earlier when this, what you would call it force majeure mm. situation became evident that, okay, well, we're, we're holding back. We're gonna look what is gonna happen. We're gonna ask to get out of this huge investment, but no, that's not the way. You, you build a long lasting relationship and you're there when it gets hard too. And this is what we want to go. We, we're going to do. The Jap Japanese know they're going to have Olympics. We know they're going to have the Olympics. Whether it's in a limited capacity, that's secondary. We'll make the best of it. But it's but it's going to happen. We're going to make it. We're going to succeed together. That's that's it. Brilliant, Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Jan. Radio.